Hey guys, welcome back to another episode on Single Handedly. I'm Thomas and I'm Nick. And today we're going to be speaking about my money. favorite topic, money. <laughs> we can't have enough of it. Does it buy happiness, Nick? We've discussed it on many episodes. I mean, like Fabio said, it buys freedom. It buys freedom <laughs> and choices. Um definitely something we can get a better understanding on. Um something which I mean is the basis to life nowadays because anything we do even exactly. and and it's something that everyone has to learn on how to deal with i think so this is something that like we literally talked about just like a few minutes ago but like some people go to the gym and have a personal trainer today we have with us someone who is a personal trainer but not for the gym not for the strength of your body but for the strength of your wallet so we have with us luca luca is a money coach um luca you're a certified money coach yes right? yes i'm a certified money certified coach, money coach. Yeah. and founder of uh, the money coaching hub just started uh, last last january so quite new so is it your job to make millionaires or what's your job exactly it's my job to uh, help people enhance their uh, relationship with money not just from the practical point of view but also from the psychological point of view as well okay all right so people come to you because they want to learn more about money, more about themselves and the relationship of themselves and money and how to kind of improve that. Yes, yes, exactly. And some of them come just for the practical side of it. But in reality, even when they have uh, the sessions uh, with me, um, they find out that uh, the psychological part is quite important because uh, um, it really pertains to their daily habits. And when you are in charge of your habits and you have good habits related to money, um, it can increase your prospect of um, having a better life, not just with money, but also in general. And why do you think the conversation about money seems to be an uncomfortable topic to speak about, or maybe it's, it's sort of taboo to speak about? And uh, why is that, that ideology sort of ingrained in us? I think um, the problem is that the society we have grown, grown up into. So when we were young, uh, our parents, at least most of them, they never spoke to us about money or how to manage money. And when they spoke about money, it was in hushed tones so that the children do not hear. And uh, in their minds, maybe they thought, listen, it's to safeguard our children. But then when we grew up um, and went into the outside environment, and we started experiencing everyday lives. We took our first car loan, maybe our first home loan. We uh, became more vulnerable to making mistakes, which could have been avoided if there was more financial literacy, not just from the parent side, uh, but also in, in our schools. We don't have a subject related to money in our schools. Don't mention to me accounts or um, business management or economics. They're not about personal finances. Talking about financial mm -hmm. literacy, like actual... Yeah. We don't have the, uh, anything like that in, in Malta, not just Malta, really. Um, even around the world, financial literacy is so subjective that I think governments are afraid to introduce it into our schools. But it can be so beneficial to the younger generation so that they don't experience the same issues that we're experiencing. Hmm. That's definitely something um, that many people would like but when it comes to practice i don't think it's as applicable to 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 be put into a syllabus because the, i think the main frame and the main uh, structure of it is is relatively the same 
But when it comes to specifics of money, um, uh, I think that's true because I mean this is like education. So you can't. So currently, the education system is the same for everyone, yeah. regardless of your background, regardless mm-hmm. of your intellectual abilities, regardless of if if you are a certain age, you are treated as everyone else your age when it comes to education. And I think that would be the problem when it comes to money because people have a different understanding of money. It's very subjective. It's very subjective. But uh, I've had uh, several clients who, uh, um, how to say, if they had more knowledge, they told me if I had more knowledge, I wouldn't have done the mistakes I did. And some of the mistakes they did cost them thousands or they're into credit card debt and they cannot get rid of it. Okay. What are some of the most common money mistakes that we make? So... uh, Definitely overspending um, is one of the weaknesses that uh, many people experience. Mm, so overspending can easily, I say easily in inverted commas, because of course every person is different, uh, but it can be managed uh, with a uh, practical forecast spending plan. So I'm not saying it's about restricting money coaching. It's not about restricting, it's about the balance. So if you really like, you're passionate about cars, for example, and you like uh, um, buying vintage cars, for example, um, you can budget to buy such cars. But at the same time, if you don't care about wearing branded clothes, then you can buy normal clothes and you don't spend that much. It really depends on the person's desires and objectives. For for another person, it can be taking four or five trips a year. He can save... uh, our set objective but uh, for him going out every weekend is not um, um, something which um, uh, he feels obliged to do because he doesn't like it every person has different desires and different objectives um, and that is how I help clients uh, work around uh, their spending plan so month by month important so you have to divide it not year by year because year by year is quite long you fight month by month, so it's easier to um, to plan it out. Okay, and what what age or what, what, when would be the best time to get into um, getting educated about money? Is it at eight nine years old when you're literally learning about everything and you treat it at the same level of everything, or would it be when you start you start making an income maybe, or you start making multiple figures a year? I would say as early as possible. Okay. So um, if you are that young, it depends on the parents to start giving the education. And it starts with maybe the pocket money. And also explaining to our children, listen, uh, what it means to how to spend it, what it means to save it. uh, And also start gradually um, introducing the world of investing to them. If, of course, the parent is um, educated in into into the investing world because that's another problem that uh, that we face um, many people relate uh, investing either just to risk or just to buying very safe and in inverted commas uh, um securities like bonds etc okay mm-hmm. and i think that's a disadvantage because uh, when you look at inflation and uh, this past at least two years it's been up by eight percent we see it in in uh, the grocery prices of everyday life the the problem was that uh, we uh, we experienced a long period of um, uh, a long period where inflation wasn't a thing so prices were always 
almost the same or they increased only by a bit. So uh, we weren't aware that it was a risk inflation, but now with 8%, 10%, and you hear many people complaining about it, uh, it's become a thing and it's been a long time coming. And many things happened uh, to make it a reality. So the war in Ukraine, the post-COVID um, scenario, um, they all contributed towards inflation. So by investing into, for example, the American stock market, which is the most dynamic stock market in the world, you can fight against inflation. Why? Because in the past 90 years, um, the American stock market had returns between 8 to 10% a year. Average, approximate, so it's not every year 8 to 10%. Some years it may be plus 25%. Other years it may be minus 10%. It doesn't matter as long as you invest per month because you're buying the market at different prices. Exactly. Um, so when it comes to, because you're talking about investing, um, and maybe for those people who never invested or that this topic isn't something, like as soon as they hear the word investing, they're like, no, no, it's, I, I don't understand investing, so I don't invest. What's the first domino they need to drop to uh, get into investing? You have to start first with uh, getting into the habit of saving money. That's the first step. So saving money, having liquid uh, cash base, uh, okay, in case of emergencies or a backup fund, I would say. Okay. So that's the first thing. And I would start working towards that uh, by putting aside uh, an amount of money which I feel comfortable putting aside. So this is like paying a loan. When you pay a car loan, you have, for example, 150 euro a month. So this is the same. You put aside some money, but it's for yourself. Okay. okay? And once you get accustomed to that, you can gradually increase it. But start small and then increase it gradually. Don't start big immediately. Why? Because if you earn, for example, I don't know, 2,000 euro a month, 1,000 euro a month, and you start immediately with 500 euro savings, you won't last more than three to four months. It becomes a headache getting out 500 euro all the time. So start with 50 euro. That's how I started. I started with 50 euro a month. And then gradually I increased it. Even if it's um, buybacks, for example, first 50, then by 25 euros, so it's 75 euro, and then by another 25. Because you're building a habit there. Okay? Okay. And then, once you have the backup fund in place, you can start investing. So investing, um, there are, especially people who are, um, how to say, familiar with it, there are many funds where one can invest in. And without giving investment advice, because I'm not here to give, enough, give out investment advice, I, look, I just look at the statistics. The S&P 500, which is the fund which represents the top 500 companies in the US, which is the most dynamic stock, uh, has the most dynamic stock market in the world, it gave returns between 8 to 10% a year for the past 90 years. Now, for some people, they tell me, listen, you're looking 90 years back. If I had to look 20 years back or 30 years back, it's the same return, if not more. Okay. The stock market always wins. There may be years where it's on a downward spi spiral, okay? But if you're in it for the long run, you'll always win. The more years you're present in the stock market, the better the chance of success you'll have. Okay. So let's take a step back from investing and start 
with getting the money from investing and let's start with budgeting mm-hmm. so let's say what's a, what's an average salary in Moldanik? i think average salary is 1200 or 1400 yeah okay let's, let's get a salary of 1300 200 okay. to 1200 so um joe average joe gets um 1200 in a month and uh He'd like to get into investing bit by bit, but he also has the the the, the shopping of the month. He has the shopping of the wife, the, the and rent. family, the rent. <laughs> um, let's say let's say rent, maybe not not loan because rent. Let's let's say because many people are are opting for renting nowadays as well. Um, he has the grocery shopping to do. He's fuel. got fuel. He's got maintenance of car. Um, any loose ends around the house, water and electricity bills um internet and mobile how would he already having a, maybe a family of of three, three with one kid one kid and two two parents you're stressing me out with this with this <laughs> with this budget that you're giving me um he's already a bit tight but he'd wa- he wants to break away from living paycheck to paycheck what would be the 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 key starters um because maybe he tell you no I, I'd rather keep it safe I'd rather keep it in a bank mm-hmm. um, and that's, that's actually a thing like more people that have families are less inclined to invest because they say listen I have kids I'm married blah blah I can't afford taking risks yeah so yeah. how would how would um you optimize the paycheck to be um used as efficiently as possible yeah so first thing I would suggest um, is that uh, the person would draw out um, a list of uh, the expenditures he has. So to see if uh, there are expenditures which can be lessened. Because once you have everything written down, it becomes easier to see where you're spending the most. And sometimes, sometimes uh, you see a part of your budget which can be reduced a lot. You're just not aware that you're spending that much. For example, many people are not aware that they're spending that much on um, um, the deliveries of food, food, deliveries. Oil, the food yes. deliveries. Yeah, and uh, by writing it down, it becomes easier for them to recognize that. So if you say to me, "But listen, I don't want to write it down. It's uh, it's a headache putting up an Excel sheet, etc." Nowadays, we have um, systems like, for example, uh, Revolut and the the, the new how uh, the fintech the new cards etc which make it easier to to look at the analytics. to look at the transactions etc so it's also uh, easier to spend with the contactless now <laughs> it's easier to spend but it's easier also to keep track definitely so if you're in the past if you spend i don't know 800 euro a month on groceries um you couldn't know for sure why because you spent part of it uh, i don't know in one supermarket uh, another part of it in another supermarket, the third part of it in, a, in the small grocery you have uh, um, near you. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, you can use a system like, um, uh, I, I, I won't mention names, okay? But you can use uh, one of the new systems, okay? One of these cards, and you, tell it, you can say to her, listen, if I spend in one supermarket, that's groceries. If I spend in the supermarket, that's groceries as well. If I spend in that pharmacy, that's health. And it can track everything for you and you do nothing. Then at the end of the month, you go on, on its an- analytics and it's all there. And you okay. didn't uh, break any sweat putting it on, a, on an Excel sheet. So for some people, Excel sheets uh, are better. For others, having everything technologically is, is better. 
myself, I, I prefer the technology part, for example. Okay. Okay, so um, that's writing it down. Then you have to save for your emergency fund before investing. An emergency investing. fund? What's that? Um, an emergency fund is a backup fund. So let's uh, put this person in a, in a, in a scenario. Uh, he has a full-time job and he has to look after his kids, his wife, etc. whatever. And uh, something like COVID comes along. Or maybe the person has a health issue. If the person doesn't have a backup fund to see him through three months, six months, a year, depending on the person's preference, then he's in trouble. Because the bank won't lend you money if you have a health issue, obviously. Because you wouldn't pay back the loan? Exactly. Exactly. So the first thing before investing, and this is very important, important is building the emergency fund, the backup fund, the rainy day fund. It has many names. And uh, this is the most underestimated fund that there is because no one, you don't see any advertising on building on your, your emergency fund. The adverts we see on television, on social media, is to invest um, and, and, and this stuff, you know. And for every person, the emergency fund is different. So if you have 1,300 a month, maybe you'd feel comfortable uh, multiplying that by six. So you have six months worth of uh, uh, safety net. For another person, it may be one year, two years. Okay? Because when we start investing um, and we do that con consistently, the amount we're investing, the trick for it to grow, we have to leave it there. So it's compound. Yeah. So for it to compound, we have to leave it compounding on its own. We cannot say that's our backup fund. Investing, investing is not our backup fund. Okay. Investing is something to use for the future. Now you can invest for the coming 10 years, the coming 20 years. The longer, the better. Okay. Once they're there, you don't touch them anymore. That's the ideal scenario. Yeah. Okay. So uh, have a very good emergency fund. So if something happens, you have that backup and then start investing. And I would recommend, highly recommend for persons to do it month by month. Okay. Not putting in one large lump sum okay. in, the, in investing. Why is that? It's simple. Because if you put in, for example, I don't know, let's pick 10,000 euro. Okay. And you're putting into investing. And uh, a month later, a recession happens. Or Russia invades, I don't know, uh, somewhere else. Invades Lithuania. Or China invades Taiwan. And the stock market falls. And I ask, if you're just starting out investing and your 10,000 euro loses 20-30% of its value, how would you feel psychologically? I would bet you'd feel very bad about it. But if on the other hand, you're doing it month by month, the first month you put in 100 euro, and the second month this happens, so okay, the 100, that 100 euro, you lost 30% of its value. But in the second month, you're going to buy cheaper with the other 100 euro. Exactly. Because the stock market fell. Okay? okay. So... To smooth out the process, investing month by month is better, especially especially for for persons just starting out. Okay, and uh, you, for example, the S and P five hundred. Just for those who don't know what it is, what is it exactly? It's 
الاشياء اس ان بي 500 يو كان انفست ان ات دايركتلي ثرو ان اي تي اف ان اكسشينج تريدد فند اوكي ذا اس ان بي 500 از كومبرايزد اوف ذا بيجست 500 كومبانيز ان ذا يو اس ويتش از ذا موست دايناميك ستوك ماركت ان ذا وورلد and you find companies in it like a percentage of apple a percentage of google amazon johnson and johnson pepsi coca cola you know the big companies the biggest 500 the if there is a company of these 500 which defaults or you know it it's uh, it doesn't exist anymore it's, it's kicked out of the s&p 500 and another company comes in okay so that's the s&p 500 of course there are other funds the s&p 500 i like it to be the the base of your investing okay okay um so going back to the how you would split the um income so you build an emergency fund first mm-hmm. uh and then to start building savings how would so you look at the expenditure that you have per month say okay i'm spending 100 euros on ordering food or on restaurants i'm spending 400 300 euros on supermarket i'm spending 500 euro maybe loan or whatever um how would you see what's important for them and what's not what they need to reduce yeah so um, it really depends on needs and wants here for some expenditure um you cannot reduce for example expenditure related to health you cannot go on a person tell him listen you have to reduce the expenditure on medicine everyone needs medicine okay or on groceries for example but it really depends depends on your needs and wants so for a person um it can be okay for him to eat a brand of cereal which is not one of the usual brands which is cheaper so that way he can reduce the, his expenditure for example and uh, for another person It's not an issue if he doesn't go out eating uh, once a week. Maybe once every two weeks is good for him. So there are ways where you can decrease your spending to contribute more towards investing. Now, with investing, as I said before, you can start small. You can just start even with 50 euro per month. Okay? And you increase it gradually. And why you start small? Because then you start building a habit. That's the most important thing. That's the psychological part. start that habit okay and then continue enhancing it okay. and that is something which many people miss they look at the practical side of it okay and the practical side okay it's good but if you don't go into the psychological part you can start putting aside 50 euro for two months three months but since you did not explore your relationship with money from a psychological point of view after three months you can just give up and say listen i i cannot do this because i'm not uh, stronger when it comes to money there are some people who are anxious about spending money for example they're anxious about saving as well they feel keeping it in the bank is a, is the safest option they have why because the bank will never fail but they don't realize that in 10 years time 20 years time their 10000 euro will not be worth worth the same as it is worth today So should they um invest all of that 10,000 euros that they have in the account so imagine you have an emergency fund which is made up of let's say six months worth mm-hmm. of living expenses so let's say 6,000 euros just for the sake of it and then they have a savings account mm-hmm. 
Should I, the savings all be invested? I think exactly. So I I believe, and I think you obviously would agree. I believe that you shouldn't invest money that you can't afford losing. Exactly. Now, when it comes to money you can't afford losing, does that mean your whole savings, or should you risk say ninety percent of your savings to invest? And I say risk, of course, because everyone has different understandings of investment. But wh- where is the where is the fair point to invest when you have savings? Yeah. So it really depends also on your life goals as well. So let's say you have these 10,000 in savings and you want to invest them more. Okay. Um, it really comes down as well to age. The younger you are, you can invest in more volatile uh, markets. Why? Because you have a long stretch until you need that, that money. Still, if you have 10,000, I wouldn't put it all in. I would still divide it month by month for the coming two years, for example, or for the coming three years. I always advocate buying at different prices, not all at once, because you can never know what the stock market does. One day it can be up here, and the other day it can be down here. It all depends on the world event. Now, with regards to savings, um, it's not just about investing. Maybe you're also saving to build a business, or maybe you're saving to... Uh, Transition from your full time into uh, a passion project you've been uh, saving for all your life. So saving is not just about investing. It's also about uh, saving for a better life uh, for yourself. Investing, of course, is an integral part because it can give you uh, a decent life in the future. And also, why not financial freedom, depending on how much you dedicate towards investing. But uh, not every person is the same. Maybe a person's objective is to uh, um, retire early, so he has to invest more. Another person's objective is to start his own business. Maybe he's in a full time and he wants to transition into his own business. And he has saved for his emergency fund and he has saved more than to start his that, that business. Okay. So getting educated is the, the most prominent part of it. What would be your five suggested books or articles or uh, suggested studies to get into um, a better mindset when it comes to money. Yeah, so um, the first book that I read 15 years ago when I started researching about, about the subject was Rich Dad Poor Dad I think that's by Robert D. Kiyosaki. Oh, and I think it's behind head. you, yeah? And I have it. Uh, it comes with the PSP. <laughs> yeah. So I think, yeah, that's... Uh, Short to the camera for people that don't know. Yeah, It's a very simple book to understand. It introduces many concepts like good debt and bad debt um, because many people think that debt is bad which is something which we can explore further and now yeah i wanted to get into that yeah but uh, if we can continue about yes, yes, the yes, books yes. as well um a year or two years ago i listened because i don't just read but i use audible a lot okay okay so i listened about three times now or four times to psychology of money okay i think you have it behind you as well Psychology just of money by Morgan. Yeah. Uh, it's the s- second, Ozil, second yeah. column. This one? Lower, yeah. lower, lower, lower. There. Ah, this one. That one, yeah. Okay. It's a very good book because um, um, it goes a lot into our behaviors um, and the emotional aspect when it comes to money. Okay. Um, um, let's then see, Let's see if we have any other books. 
لكن اند يا اكشولي هاف انذر اتس نوت دايركتلي كونكتد تو ماني اتس اتوميك هابيتس بيكوز ايت كولن ام سكس بوك as i was saying when it comes to money it's a lot about the psychology and when it goes when you go into psychology it's a lot about building better habits to improve okay, okay? and many people once they start building that habit which gets them there they improve a lot this is like uh, as you said in the beginning personal training okay uh, once you have that habit ingrained in you and you're training every day you become a much better person and with money is the same you have to start investing gradually to make it a habit mm-hmm. and but before that you can explore why you're an anxious person when it comes to money or why you feel powerful when when you think about money so these are all psychological aspects i go into when it comes to to money coaching okay huh? your fourth book So, my fourth book, um, it's, uh, you don't have it, it's called Millionaire Teacher. Okay. Okay. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Andrew Hallam, the, the author. Uh, I read it about six, seven years ago. It's about a teacher who became a millionaire because he made investing his prime target. His prime target, um, so everything he, he earned, he invested in the stock market and he invested into this exchange. Okay. Traded funds. So when I'm saying exchange traded funds, um, there's a difference between funds, exchange traded funds, and mutual funds. Ex- exchange traded funds, you invest uh, um, in the market without um, any uh, fund managers, uh, um, how to say, putting in their opinion where to invest, etc. Just follow the market trend. Mutual funds that you have a fund manager. Who chooses uh, which companies is going to invest the okay. funds money in? Okay, um, so he invested in ETFs and he became a millionaire, if I'm not mistaken, by the age of 45, from a teacher's salary. That's a very good, a very good age, I think, to reach a yeah. million. Right. But he made it his prime, his prime, prime target. target. Yeah. Everyone, I think everyone uh, takes their own pace when it comes to everything in life. So. Whether it's money, whether it's their career, whether it's their talents, their hobbies. So, I mean, we've seen people become millionaires at 60. Yeah. So yeah. I think... It really depends on, on the objectives the person has. Exactly. For some, they want to become millionaire, um, not just because millionaire is just a word in reality. You can have a rich life with 300k, 400k. Okay? Not for every person is the same. When you say rich life for 300k... But some people like to think they have a rich life for 20k a year, 30k a year. So there's a very there's a very good quote that I like. Uh, I don't know who the author is. I forgot. But it's um, a lot of people spend money they don't have on things they don't need mm-hmm. to impress people that they don't like. That's Gary V's quote. No, yeah. it's not Gary V's quote. But no. he repeated it in he one of his famous... Thing. He made it famous. I think it's also... Um, into the psychology of money or something similar to it, yeah. Um, again, that's not the same for a, for every person. Um, for for a person living a rich life is going out once a week to have uh, that cup of coffee, so being able to afford that cup of coffee every Saturday is living his rich life. If 
for another person that can be going on three exotic trips a year. Then you, you find other persons that they want to buy the latest brands, they want um, to live in a villa, they want to keep up with society. So that's the idea of rich life. Okay. Um, it really depends on the on how the person grew from childhood till now, on his history, on what kind of people he's, he's uh, integrating. You know, so it's not the same for every person. And uh, that's a life choice. It's a life choice. And your fifth book. So 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 the So I mentioned four? Four so far. So I mentioned four. In reality, all of Robert Kiyosaki books are good because he has the cash flow quadrant as well, etc. But then I have another book, I forgot the name of the author, it's the history of um, of money. Okay. And I've, I've read about this. Yeah, I, I forgot the author's name, however. Um this is different from these because these books they are uh, full of advice about habit building, etc. The history of um, of money, it goes back in time about uh, how people treated money in the past until nowadays. And you find many similarities to how we're treating money nowadays. And surprisingly enough, although people in the past experienced certain things, we're still doing the same mistakes that they did in the past. So there's a saying, um, history doesn't repeat but it rhymes. Okay. Okay. And um, it's uh, that's uh, that's the case when it comes to money as well. So certain, and you, certain trends are, are yeah, certain trends are there okay. because most people's behaviors they don't change. Okay. That's why psychology is so important. Practical side, okay, we have improved. We have now we have a better stock market. We democratize the world of money because everyone can invest nowadays. You don't have to be a very rich person to put your money into investing. In the past, maybe it was segregated to the ultra-rich, okay? Now we have more democracy on the practical side. But when it comes to emotions, etc., we have become, I think, more vulnerable. Why? Because we have, we, now we have social media. And if a person posts on social media, that, for example, Bitcoin is rising up tomorrow, and you see it really rising up, and you're affected, and you want to invest, that's the herd mentality. Okay, and everyone, even if you're the most disciplined person, everyone takes heed of these things. The okay, there's the fear of missing out. Exactly, the fear of missing out, and you can be the most knowledgeable person. It even it even happens to me. Okay, it's 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 uh, it's nothing. You know, I'm I'm a normal person, as the rest of the uh, as, as as the rest of you. Okay, when you have social media, and you have that power. It plays on, on your emotions. Never invest with your emotions. No. Commit. That's why you have to do it consistently. Strategy. Investing is boring. Okay? okay? We don't have to make it exciting. The moment we make it exciting, we, we can get into trouble. Why? Because we heard that, um, for example, uh, let's mention a company like Facebook, Tesla, whatever. And we're investing just in that company, not in a fund. And it's doing quite well. Then all of a sudden it slides down because maybe the CEO um, died or maybe the company um, was not respecting certain rules and procedures so um, trust in it uh, goes down. If we're stuck in that company, we're taking lots of risks. It happened about 20, 30 years now in 2000. There was a big company called Enron 
I don't know if you're familiar with the company or not. It was a big oil company. It's like mentioning Apple today. Okay. But it was an oil company. And many people invested in it and just in it. Why? Because it had the power that Apple has today. When you mention Apple today, it's that big company that can never fail. But every company can fail. So spread your risk. There are tools like the S&P 500 where you can invest in. And do it consistently. And don't search for excitement. You don't need excitement. Okay, I'm not saying that uh, you can't have a trading life where you can make money out of it. But for many people, investing for them is that they have more money in the future to live a better life so that they concentrate now on the jobs they like. Okay? Okay. And that's what we have to, co- to concentrate I, our efforts in. I think what you mentioned about the herd mentality is like really on point. And a lot of people follow that. A lot of people see the hype on something. And a lot of people want to get rich quick. And a lot yeah. of people want that dopamine hit if they're going to invest and going to see a lot of money tomorrow morning when they wake up. And they don't they don't look at it long term. They're in short term. Yeah. And they want results now. And I think that's that's a growing problem. Instant gratification. Exactly. That's what they want. And uh, this is the how the new uh, the new societies, uh, the Gen Gen Z, Gen Z people, um, because they grew up in an environment where, with a click of a finger, they have everything they want. So I want I don't know a new iPhone, and the past they used to save for it to to buy it now. You go to a store, pay per month, and you have it. And pay monthly is easy. Why? Because you just pay 8 euro a month. It's affordable because you're earning 1,000, 1,300 a month. And you have your brand new iPhone. You want a new iPad? You can do the same. With pay monthly, that's what it what it did. It made certain things more affordable. Okay. And, and more affordable in inverted commas because you still have to pay more. Mm. But... Uh, we fell into the trap of paying for these material things before we think about our emergency fund, our investing objectives. And that's uh, the trap that uh, um, this new economic model we're living in has set up for this Gen Z, and not just Gen Z, even millennials fall for it, okay? okay? Gen Z more because they grew up in that environment only. They don't know anything else. All right. So people are technically treating investing like gambling at this point. Yeah, they um they tend to um, um how to say see investing as trading. Investing is not trading. Okay. What is trading? Because people there's a new wave especially on TikTok that you see that trader make 10,000 a week with me. Buy my course I'll teach you how to do it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. There are courses where you can learn trading. Okay, you can learn the charting, candlesticks, etc. Um, there's a whole subject on technical analysis as well, how to do it. Okay. And with all due respect to them, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good subject as well. So if, if you're a person who who's, who are into these things, it can be done okay, with the right education and the right mindset, etc. But it takes lots of time and like anything else, like any other career, you have to be dedicated to it. But... For the majority of the people, you're not searching for trading. You want to invest to make a better living. Because when the moment you start buying the latest stock picks, so finding those companies which look cheap 
in the stock market just ten dollars or twenty dollars because you think they will go up to one hundred, so you make five times return or sometimes ten times return. And there were people who made that that amount of return, especially when there was the crypto wave a few years back. And the NFTs. Uh, and the NFTs, there were people who tell you, listen, I just put in one thousand, now I have twenty thousand, thirty thousand, even hundred thousand sometimes. But they are few. They don't represent the majority who put in the money in in in, in crypto. Many people lost money mm-hmm. in the crypto in the crypto market, and uh, they lost money because they thought that they're investing when they're putting in money into crypto. In fact, mm-hmm. crypto you can invest into crypto, but it has to be a lower part of your investment of your investing budget. Because there's more risk involved. Yes, there's much more risk involved. At the end of the day, it's 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 up it's up to to you, okay? But I emphasize a lot on the S and P five hundred because it's tested and proven. Okay. Cryptos, this past how many? Ten years, fifteen years. 15 years. 12, I I have nothing against crypto. I believe in its potential, but it shouldn't be the base of your investing, and many, especially young people. They just invest into crypto because they see it as the future. Okay. Diversify as much as possible. With what you said about NFTs, um, uh, you you mentioned that people have gotten from a thousand to twenty, twenty thousand, thirty thousand, a hundred thousand. These people now, all of a sudden, they have fuck you money. So they have lots of money, lump sum, quick. I got it overnight, but my education about money is still almost non-existent. I just bet I, I i found an article which said let me put it on let's say crypto punks and i bought a punk and now it blew up i don't have the knowledge about what to do with the money what is the next step i should do with that money what is your um even if for example a family member passed away what do you suggest people do when they get a large sum of money okay so um if you inherit a lump sum, let's exactly. say you inherit first, because with the person who traded it and he got that amount of return, it's even more difficult for him than for the person who inherited money. Why? Because he got money easy and uh, um, actually telling him or suggesting to him how to go about it to maintain the the profit that uh, that he accomplished is more difficult because normally their mindset is uh, I got this in a f- in a few days because I took the risk and that's how you can get a lot of money by taking even more risk so that's their mentality okay mm-hmm. and for them to change that mentality it's a whole psychological process that they have to go into okay okay and normally normally when a person takes that risk, makes a lot of money, it's very difficult to find those persons who can then maintain it, can maintain that luck. Okay. Okay. And in the categories in the money personalities that I work with, because I work with eight different money personalities, that kind of personality, we call it the full personality. Okay. So the full personality can be a person who knows how to make money and lots of money, but it doesn't know how to maintain it because it doesn't have the education or because um, he made money through risk and he thinks that you can 
only make money by taking excessive risk. Okay. It depends on the person if he's willing or not to make a change, a transition towards being more moderate and maintaining the money he got. Okay. okay? Now, in the case of inheriting a lump sum, uh, normally, not always, but normally people who inherit a lump sum, they're just living a normal life and then all of a sudden they inherit 100K. Okay. I wouldn't suggest putting all that into investing or into savings because at the end of the day, money management and money coaching, it's, it's all about balance. Mm-hmm. So take a portion of that and uh, spend it on your passions as well. Okay. Because money is not just living in the future and saving for the future. It's also about living now. The future okay. might not come. Exactly. Exactly. And if it were, if money was just living in the future, many people would give up on, on it. Why? Because some people maybe they say, uh, who knows if I live 10 years more, 20 years more. Other people, they say, listen, I just want instant gratification or thinking about money in the long run is boring for me. I don't want to think that. So if you inherit a lump sum, spend part of it on your passions and maybe you want to start a new business, which is a passion of yours, why not? And take a portion out, out of it and either enhance your emergency fund if you're still not up to, if, if it's still not up to standard and invest the other portion of it. Okay, and if you have 100k, I would, I would, not for, it's not the same for every person, but I would invest 30 to 50% of it, okay? okay? Especially if you have certain goals where you want to retire more comfortably, etc. Technically, you were living just as good before the money came in. Exactly, exactly. You you shouldn't, I mean, not Mm. do it. The lifestyle is what makes people go broke, I think, because some people live above their lifestyle. Their sorry, their their lifestyle is above their earnings. So it's like Luca mentioned in the beginning. Some people overspend, and then they're in a situation where they're losing out on money. So as long as you remain with the same lifestyle, yeah. I think if you inherit one hundred k and if you have a simple lifestyle where you just maybe go out once a week and you're happy with that and you travel a few times a year. That 50k remaining after the investment is going to last you as well. Yeah, of course. And that 50k that you um, have left is going to earn more with interest or whatever exactly. you invested. So I think lifestyle is what's very important with these types of people that are firstly going out to um, learn more about money, like understanding their lifestyle. I feel like. Yeah, and uh, I am. Uh, seeing a change also in, in the mentality of people because in the past when they inherited large sum, large sums of money um, they either looked at either saving a big portion of it in, in the bank and spend the rest of it or spend it all okay because the money came out from nowhere okay so I deserve to spend it all the change I am noticing especially with young people like from 20 years upwards um they're asking more questions and they want to learn more about how to fight money, how to manage money, also about the psychology of money, etc. And this came about also because we're living in a knowledge, how to say, um, in a world where knowledge is everywhere. Okay, and it's not the same in the past. If you wanted advice about money, they used to go to the bank and whatever. The investment advisor told them it was the Bible. 
Nowadays is different. Nowadays, young people are asking questions. And the questions they ask um, are very practical and uh, they are very, how to say, um, relevant questions. Okay. And uh, that's a change which I am pleasantly surprised about. And I think in the future, if um, financial literacy continues to spread and these people continue to ask these kind of questions, there will be an improvement um, in society in general. You know what I like to talk about, Nick? If one day there were no more rules and... uh, What's your favorite unethical way to make money? <laughs> what would it be? Favorite unethical way to make money. <sighs> We can believe it if it's too... Um, I don't know. Actually, I need to think about this. I mean, there's currently already a lot of unethical ways people and even companies are making money. I think I'd do a couple of rug pulls. <laughs> what, actually, w- what would... I'd, I'd do a rug pull. I'd, I'd make a brand hyped up and then... Ah, okay. Like like yeah. they did the NFTs. What's your favorite unethical way of making money? Or have you <laughs> so seen? my favorite. Or have you seen? <laughs> have you seen? Have you seen? Have you seen? Let's start from so, there. So, as you were saying, there are many unethical ways of, of making money. For me, the one that gets me the most, and it's also part of my industry now, um, is when I see investment advisors selling products to people Um, who don't know I think about money and they tell them it's the best option for you when in fact it isn't and they don't even make an analysis of uh, the person okay what the person really needs and what the person really really wants in, in his future and these advisors I'm not saying all investment advisors okay but these advisors they do it because it's easy to earn a commission then okay. so easy selling easy commission and that's very unethical And then these persons who invest in these in these products after 20-30 years and they turn back on, on the money they saved and invested and they ask, why ha- have, hasn't my money grown as much as my neighbor or the, the other person I know? Okay? And this is quite a common trait what these people are doing. So they push certain products They tell people that this is the best product that you can buy, when in reality it isn't. And there are better options. But for the investment advisor, it's easier to sell. And if it's easier to sell, then why not sell it? Okay? And they tell them, look, you're into, invest- into the investing world now. In 20-30 years' time, you'll make lots of money. But we have to be careful here. Because, okay, I, I was saying in the, in, in the beginning, if you invest, you make 8 to 10% or whatever. But you have to be careful in what investments you go you go into. Not every kind of investment will give you that amount of, of money, okay? So these jobs shouldn't be commission-based, they should be salary-based. To I believe so. It will take, of course, uh, quite a revolution. Definitely. Okay? But, uh, yes, if it's for the good of, of the people, yes. I would go for salary-based. Uh, I have a way. I thought of a way. Okay. So... You have you have to be a politician for this to work, but <laughs> you privatize healthcare, hint hint. Privatize <laughs> healthcare, and then you invest in the top 100 food and beverage companies in the country. You make sure you fill them with sugar, preservatives, additives, mm. that, 
and you know the health is is, yeah. a, is important that's how you make money so i've been investing for 10 20 years and i've been making 8 to 10 percent now but now i'm no longer happy happy with that i want to make 20 i'm still in the position to take risks um rather than investing in uh, stock market. in stock market what are some other investment options people can make okay so that would be still beneficial and risk is somewhat higher but the returns yeah. are much higher than okay um it depends also on what's trending as okay. well okay so i mentioned 8 to 10% when it came to the s&p 500 but there are um, there's a thing called thematic investing for example you really believe in ai okay and you think that in 10 years time ai will be much bigger than it is now so companies who are investing in ai will ha- will grow much more than they are nowadays so you can say listen let's put a percentage of my investments into just ai companies okay, okay so you you just hand pick five to ten companies which you really believe in and you invest in them why because the potential is not just eight to ten percent a year but it can be potentially 20 to 30 percent a year on average on average okay? okay um so that's one way of looking at it or maybe you really believe in electric vehicles okay, okay. um i i believe that in 10 15 years time we will see more electric vehicles than the current cars that uh, that we're accustomed to so that may be i think uh, which you can invest in and potentially earn uh, earn a higher higher interest. But it, um, the market is quite. Uh, you cannot really um, say, listen, that's going to succeed or that's going to succeed because nothing is really proven except the S and P five hundred. So if you do that, you're taking more risk. But if you want to take more risk, you can look at these industries, which are uh, riskier, more exciting, but which can potentially give you a much much better return but they can also potentially um how to say you can lose reduce more. reduce yes reduce your return much more because for example another team you remember the medical cannabis um uh-huh. uh, years when they been, rose a lot yes 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 they spent some months up up here and then because they, of regulations etc the they never really uh, were that popular then then they they went down um as they were before so that industry didn't succeed and the same can happen with any team you choose some teams of course like ai i don't see it going down anytime soon i think it's the future but uh, you can hear me say it i think i think i think there's no guarantee okay o- there's only no warren buffett knows In, uh, <laughs> warren buffett <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's the most experienced investor out there Okay, and that's why many people study him and study the investments um, he, go, he he went into. When I mentioned the S&P 500, because it has 90 years of history that you can look into, it doesn't mean that uh, um, it will return 8 to 10% next year or the year after. But if you look at its history, it has more potential of doing of doing so than the other, the other funds around. Speaking of someone like that, um, uh, reading a bit about stocks, and uh, basically all the things going around it. There's a particular one, which usually stocks, when they go high, they, they break down into smaller ones. I the don't split. know. Uh, the split. Uh, 
his never split no sorry his his company never split or how was it of Warren of Warren Buffett you mean Berkshire Hathaway isn't it like 160,000 to buy one share yeah they I think he has class A and uh, because then exactly. it, you go into the technicalities of different it classes okay. of shares B, mean class, yeah. those aren't mm. something someone should look into when, when starting really. out for example um, Tesla split its, its uh, the value of its share I think uh, three times already they do it to make it more Easy. seemingly affordable okay mm. seemingly but in reality now the problem has taken care of itself because now we can do fractional uh, investing so we can buy one fifth of the stuff you want okay you can buy as much as you want yeah okay you can just say that's why i said if you put in 100 a month and you want to buy a part of the s&p 500 you can right now i think the etf related to the s&p 500 is 420 dollars something like that you can buy 100 dollars of, of it or you can buy 200 it's up to you okay that's why um investing and money in general has become more democratized from a practical point of view not from a psychological okay okay let's go back into because now we got a lot into investing in stocks let's go back into your experience maybe your past clients what have you seen most common mistake people do i don't think we went really into detail about that not really. most common mistake people do or craziest thing people have done, like uh, yeah. if your clients are any crazy stories. So um, the most common, I would say, overspending. Like you mentioned is, in the beginning, yeah, it's quite it's quite common, and uh, many many of them they earn a decent decent salary. Okay, so for me, a decent salary is from thirty k upwards. It's always decent, it's, okay. It's uh, some, okay, they earn 100k a year as well, but they still have this problem of overspending and they end up with credit card debt still, even those earning 100k a year. What's your opinion on credit cards? Do you have a credit card? No, uh, credit card, the one that like uh, the one that gives you money and then you have to pay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have one, no. no, I never had one, okay. okay. And uh, some people may tell you, listen. If you have one, it's safer because if you get uh, stuck somewhere, okay, you can use it. I think it's very dangerous. I think it's very dangerous. I think if you have a good emergency, if you have a good emergency fund, you never need a credit card. Okay, okay? Uh, I would avoid it like like the plague. Okay, okay, because it's uh, it's something which you can um, go to. You know, you can use it as your support when in fact it's a trap, mm. and many people fall in that trap. Mm. With overspending, then they get into... With overspending, because uh, once, okay, I use it to buy uh, a new iPhone, I will replace it, okay. Then the other month, oh, let me use it to buy a new iPad. Let me use it to buy a new handbag. All of a sudden, you're into credit card debt. That quick? Just a few purchases and... I had a client, uh, she never used credit card, uh, a credit card. She had a quite a good bump in her salary, so she went from 30k to 55k. And just a few months later, she was um, living the last week of her month thanks to her credit card. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's something I don't understand, uh, and I don't know if it's just it's just me, but I don't understand how people live. I mean, I understand. I'm, I'm going to say this. I understand how people have paid a 
paycheck to paycheck people that really don't earn decent money but people who do earn average or above average i can't understand how they live paycheck to paycheck so literally on the last week of their month they don't have enough money left to buy groceries or whatever and you also hear like this is something that my, my friends say oh listen yeah like if we're going abroad um let me wait for the end of the month so i get my paycheck so i can afford it i'm like yeah but what do you mean you can't afford it like if you can't afford it now why would you be able to afford it at the end of the month you know what i mean you either afford it or you don't afford it like if you come to me at the beginning of the month or end of the month or whatever if i don't afford it i tell you listen i don't afford it if i afford it i'm gonna pay for it then and there doesn't matter if it's the beginning of the month or the end of the month you have this uh, um situation where uh, um these persons like for example let's mention a lawyer okay and he's earning uh a good, a very good, a very good salary, a very good income. But what happens when you're in a certain profession, or when you're, uh, you have a certain lifestyle connected to that profession, or you choose to live that lifestyle, okay? And standards change for you. So if you are accustomed to, I don't know, spending fifty euro on your, on your work shirt, now um, it's a no, no. Now you have to spend one hundred euro. On, on your work shirt. Okay? The, the image. The image affects a lot. And these people, although they're earning a very good salary, um, they fall into this trap. To, that, you know, there's a saying, keeping up with the Joneses. Um, that's, that's the saying. And um, they fall into this trap that they think that to improve, they have to earn even more money. So they get a promotion or they do a course and they transition from one company to another or maybe they start their own business and, okay, they earn more money, but they still end up with the same problem because earning more money is not the solution. Saving more. Saving more, managing it. That's the first part. Manage your money better. And then saving comes after. But if you manage it better, it doesn't matter if you earn more or not. Okay, and earning more is a bonus. Why not? But if you're aware that if you manage it better, you can enhance your lifestyle, that's a big change for, for many people, which they are not aware of. Because these people who are earning these kind of salaries, okay, they're afraid to talk. They are the silent, suf- the silent sufferers in our society. Because it's even more difficult for them to talk about money than for um, persons who are earning um, very little money, like, for example... 15, 20k a year, okay? For them, it's easier to talk. And the government listens to these people more than he listens to people who are earning a decent income. Why? Because if they talk, then society will prejudice them. They will say, what is he talking about, that lawyer? He has a problem with money. It's not true. It, it's it's his fault because he doesn't know how to spend it, etc. Okay? okay? And this is all related also to mental health. We've been hearing this lately about, uh, I read uh, many articles about uh, a rise in, in the suicide rate in, in Malta, etc. Okay? And uh, I'm not saying that it's related to money. Okay? I, I don't know why uh, they happened. But, but, money is such a taboo that people are afraid of talking about it and they enter, in, they can enter into a depression because they suffer silently, okay? 
and they're not uh, they don't want to talk about it because they're afraid and these are the majority of my clients they want to talk to someone and sometimes they don't even talk to their relatives about it okay because they're afraid they're ashamed to talk about it i think a better thing would be Well, doomed because I'm trying not to forget what I was going to say. Yes, still recording, right? Okay. All right, what was the first word I said? I think. <coughs> Sorry. I think a problem. I mean, you mentioned you mentioned the problem is people not reaching out to the relatives and all of that. But I think one problem is reaching out to the wrong relative. So mm, reaching out to the wrong right. person yeah. who tells you, no, 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 do this, do this, do this. And you just listen to them just because maybe they're your older mm. relative or they're your father or mother or grandmother, whatever. So I think sometimes that is a problem. So I think it's better if people reach out to the right person, not necessarily yeah. their relative, but could be a friend, could be a colleague, could be a mentor. Because yeah. um, sometimes people think that if they speak to their relatives, their relatives are the ones that have the most knowledge about something, which isn't the case. Yeah. I mean, they have experience, but I don't think they're the experts in everything, which is, I think, why you have your own now um, career, which is a money coach. So yeah. people should come to you as someone who is experienced with money and knows what to do with money. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I made it a point also to reach out uh, to these people with uh, what experiences these weaknesses and uh, uh, these difficult moments because they think that no one can understand them because when they approach that relative and he tells them listen the way I tackled it is like this this and this and you end up feeling but it's not what I want, how I want to tackle it so this person hasn't helped me he has just given me his opinion her opinion and I see people with different kinds of objectives and different kinds of situations I've had clients who are anxious about money I've had clients who are who feel powerful when they think about money. And then I've had also clients who use money to manipulate others and they want to fix that. Okay? So many different characteristics out there when it comes to money. Uh, I am surprised that it's not a subject of its own because there's so many psychological factors that come into play. Okay? Which get ignored. Okay? We focus on the practical side of money. We should focus more on the psychological before you mentioned that you have seven different money personalities, what was eight, the word? Eight, 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 eight. One of them is the fool. Tell, tell us about yeah. those. Like, so, money personalities. What are they? So, these money personalities were first coined by Deborah Price. She's the leader of the Money Coaching Institute, where I got my certification from. And there are eight. The fool is the most popular because. It's related to overspending and making lots of money, but Still they do. find it difficult to maintain it. Okay. Okay. So that's uh, the one which many pe- many people fall fall under. Okay. 
Then you have the innocent. The innocent is uh, a person who gets anxious all the, uh, every time he thinks about money. He, he, he or she believes that they are not capable of managing money. And even if they earn lots of money, they either ask another person to manage it for them or they are the kind of persons who leaves it in the bank and let it there because they're afraid to touch it. Okay? And historically, historically, uh, many women fell into this category. Now it's changing. Okay? But I think uh, um, more needs to be done for uh, to encourage women okay, to uh, um, manage their own money. Because I think that if women are empowered more, they can do even better than men. That, that's my opinion. Okay? So that's the innocent archetype. Then you have the victim. The victim is the kind of person very much like the innocent, but uh, um, he resents his position. So he's the kind of person that if you tell him, listen, um, you can do this, this, and this to improve. And he would say, listen, um, this cannot happen to me. Um, I've ended up in this situation because of my circumstances. And whatever you tell me, um, they won't change my circumstances. So it's the kind of person who maybe um, grew up in a poor family. And you give him the opportunity to change. But he's not willing because um, he plays the victim. I am in this situation. I cannot change it. Okay. Then um, there is the martyr. Okay. Um, this is the kind of person who likes to help other persons before himself. So he ends up in a position where uh, uh, the martyr position. Okay. Uh, nothing ever good comes because other people have it better than me. You have to take care of your own se- your, yourself first before helping others. And uh, many parents fall into martyr position because they tend to help their children first. They give them everything. So the that they school, lack nothing. They pay for their tutoring. Yeah. They pay for great clothes. And then food. you find out that these parents, they have nothing under their knee. Are they, they setting up... Sorry, sorry, sorry. Hmm? Are they setting up their children for failure by giving them everything? That's a good question. Look, I believe education is better than just forking out funds for your children. But there are some children who make the most of it and succeed. Okay? You cannot generalize here. Um, But I would prefer them to get their children more educated in financial literacy than literally buying anything they want and funding everything they want. Okay? I'm not saying that all parents are martyrs or all martyrs are parents, but you have a majority of parents over there, okay? So that's three or four with the fool, four. Then you have the tyrant. So the tyrant is the kind of person who uses money to manipulate others. He's the kind uh, of the dominant male figure you have in the family. I earn the money, so every person has to do as I say. So he uses money to manipulate others. It's a very insecure person, okay? Because for him, if he doesn't have that money, he has nothing. So for him, money is not something to do good with. For him, money is simply to control others to do his bidding. Okay. Okay? Um, Then you you have the creator artist personality. So these are the persons who think that money is the root of all evil. Okay? They are um, the dreamers, I would say. They have a big talent, like for example an artist painting uh, something, but he isn't willing to monetize it, because if that thing touches money, it will be damaged goods. 
Mm. Okay. Exactly. So like, exactly like Banksy. It's reminding me of. Yeah. Have you seen Banksy when he destroyed his? Was it um, the uh, artwork with, with the shredder built yeah. inside the? Frame? I haven't seen, but yeah, it's similar. It's uh, it's a sim- similar concept. And these people, their main weakness is uh, they are very talented, but they're not monetizing their talents, and that's something also which I tackle in my money coaching sessions because monetizing your talents is a great way of earning more money from your passions. Mm. Okay? And then you have the warrior archetype. The warrior is the kind of person who feels in control of his own money. He knows how to manage it. Um, he's one of the ideal archetypes out there. But um, he or she finds it difficult um, to um, uh, differentiate between rich and wealth. Okay? okay. So... Uh, um, they focus a lot on the practical side of money. So I want to be a millionaire, but why do you want to be a millionaire? I don't know because that's the word uh, and that many people say for financial freedom. Okay. So they don't really know the idea of being wealthy, what it means. They must work more on their, on their psychology. They're in a better position than the other archetypes, but they need more work. Okay. To transition into the wealth, the wealth side, which is the magician archetype. The magician archetype is comfortable when it comes to money. For him, money is not the root of all evil, but uh, a thing which you can do good with. So for philanthropy, he dedicates money to help others. Uh, it's in a comfortable position, so he, he can he can do that. It's the ideal scenario for everyone. Not just being a millionaire for the sake of being a millionaire, but having money to live a rich life, which is uh, um, part of, of of your dreams. I think with every single one, I could imagine someone and uh, the the good that they do, yeah. and uh, the, the 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 factors that they may need to improve on. And it's true that a combination of these people really yeah. There's uh, a lot of overlapping as well between exactly. one personality and another. On my website, there's a free quiz money quits that they can do and they ha- can have a result which money archetype they are in and most of the time it's let's say 80 to 90 percent accurate okay yeah listening to you talking about money personalities I-, I couldn't understand which one i am because most of the time our characteristics are very similar to our parents because we inherit you find cases where uh, the person rebels against the, the parents characteristics and uh, Goes to the other extreme. So if his father was a saver, he goes spending everything he he earns. Mm. Okay? And in that case, we have to find uh, the balancing act. Not go to the extreme of being too frugal, like maybe his father was, but finding the middle middle ground. Okay? Where the person is comfortable in. Okay? We don't try to change a person's talents. Okay? We try to help persons transition from one personality to another, but keeping the good of the weaker personalities. So if it's the creator artist, I wouldn't tell him, listen, you have to leave all, leave it all to become a magician. Keep the good things of the creator artist, because if you are a creator artist, you have lots of talent, but be more practical when it comes to money. Okay, because nowadays, fortunately or unfortunately, Money is, we have to live with it. 
we cannot just um, reject it and say, listen, I'm going to live the artist's life on my own in a room, um, you know, the hermit kind of lifestyle, and that's it. The world has changed so much, and we live in a capitalist society. As I like it or not, that's the reality. So make a step forward and uh, um, get hold of it. Luca, if you had to give one word of advice to yourself when you were 18 about money, what would you tell yourself? So, 18. Okay, it's when I started um, studying more about personal finances, etc. When I was 18, I went to an investment advisor because that's the first thing you think about uh, when you... Uh, think about in investing and uh, he had suggested listen buy um, a government stock a Maltese bond okay so very conservative but uh, for many people it's secure and it does the job and I really wanted to invest in the S&P 500 at the time because I had read that it's the best thing etc and it gives you that amount of return whatever I would have gone more with my instinct and with my studies to invest in the S&P 500. So I would say to myself, don't listen to those people who you think are better than you. Because sometimes you are the best person for, for, your, own, for your own objectives. Okay? So trust yourself more. Believe in your abilities. Because if you do the right research, you read the right books, and uh, no one is better than yourself to know what's best for you. Okay. okay. I think that's a good message to end off the episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. It's been a pleasure. Nick, any final comments? No. Um, I still won't look at my bank account after, after this, but hopefully... Um, it's double what it was when I last checked it. <laughs> <laughs> I still plan on doing that rug pull. <laughs> so guys, um, uh, comment who you want to see next. Please like, subscribe, and support us on our socials. They're linked below. If you'd like to donate to help us fund um, uh, our investment um, single-handedly projects, it will be on the SMP one day. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, thanks for watching, and till next time.